Well, today we are going to continue our series entitled Unshakable. And uh, we were going to actually wrap up today, but as we were kind of pulling these things together, I recognized uh, there is just so much information and just so much great truth to share uh, from this last point. And so today we're going to talk about what it really means to live an unshakable life. So our first point is simply this. We've been recognizing that we serve an unshakable God. Can I get an amen? Right? And we've received an unshakable kingdom. We said the kingdom of God is eternal and the kingdom of God is internal. It is within us. It's unshakable. We looked last week at the fact that we have been given unshakable resources. The Word of God, the person of the Holy Spirit, and the love of God that are rivers that never run dry. Right? We have access to the unshakable resources that God's Word, God's Spirit, and the love of God makes available to us this morning. And today we're going to talk about what does it mean really to live an unshakable life. How can we live a steady, consistent, unshakable life in the midst of a roller coaster world? And I really want to encourage you today because I think that one of the greatest opportunities we have right now as believers is to be steadfast and unmovable. Amen? To live a steadfast, unmovable life in the light of Jesus Christ and stand out for the glory of God. So, uh, let's kind of dive into our message today. So what does it mean to live an unshakable life? It literally means this. It means that we live rooted in the revelation that we are complete in Christ who is the head over everything. What does it mean to live an unshakable life? It means that we live rooted in the reality. When I was putting this together and praying over this and writing out this outline, I wrote down, rooted in the revelation. The Holy Spirit click, uh, checked my heart. He said, Keith, he said, it's more than a revelation. It is a reality that I'm calling you to live in. And yes, you need a revelation of what it means to be rooted in Christ, but you've got to shift from a revelation to a reality where this becomes the new normal in your life, where you begin to understand that there is a reality in Christ that is more real than anything you can touch, taste, feel, or see. Amen? How many know this world is temporal? But God is eternal. And what He has called us to is to be a part of an eternal kingdom. So look with me in Colossians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. There's a reality called heaven. Amen? How many know heaven is not a place that we just made up to make us feel better about, uh, about dying? Right? Heaven, heaven is not just this figment of our imagination. It's not a religious idea. It is a reality. The reality of heaven is real. And Paul says this. He says we need to set our sights on heaven. We need to have a heavenly vision of what God is calling us to where Christ sits, the Bible says, in the place of honor at God's right hand. And then he says this, don't only set your sights on heaven, but think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. So we need to have a vision of heaven, and we also need to begin to think about heavenly things. And not just heaven as a place, but the heavenly realm that God has called us to live into. So there is a realm called the heavenlies, amen, that we are invited by the Holy Spirit to live in this realm of the Spirit that is more real than anything we've experienced on earth. I love verse 3. Look what it says. It says, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. I love that phrase, your real life. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Our real life is in Jesus. Come on, somebody. Our real life is not what you can see. This is a temporal life. But we have been invited into a real life that will last forever 
and ever and ever. And look what it says. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed, the whole world is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So let's talk about that real life for just a second. As I was praying this week, the Holy Spirit said, Keith, he said, Satan works overtime to deceive us about what is real. And we have been deceived into thinking that this world is the real reality, when in reality this world is temporal. And then he said to me, he said, Keith, he said, this world is in many ways an illusion. It's an illusion of reality. You think it's real. You think it's going to last forever. You think it's never going to come to an end. But guess what? To everything you can see, everything you can touch, and everything you can taste, there is an end. This world is in many ways an illusion, but there is a reality in Christ that is the real real. Come on, somebody. We need to begin to live in the real real, not a, not a fantasy real, not an illusion of reality, but the real real life that we have in Jesus Christ. And think about this. I, I was just thinking about this thought, and I thought about how that, how that we think about our pain, our suffering, our sorrow, and the hardships of life. And, and have you know that when life is hard and challenging and difficult, have you ever been in one of those moments where it felt like the pain was never going to end? The sorrow was never going to end. Maybe you've lost somebody and you feel like the grief is never going to end. The tears are never going to stop. And it just feels like, man, this sorrow, this weight, this burden. And I, I hear people talk about, man, I just feel like i got this burden on me and I'm just heavy and I'm just weighted down. And we feel like those things are going to last forever. But they're not. <laughs> the weight, the pain, the sorrow, the grief... The agony that you and I feel in a day-to-day life of living in this world is temporal and it is an illusion. It is not going to last forever. You know what's going to last forever? The love and the joy and the peace of God. Revelations chapter 21. It's not on the screen, but I want to read it to you. The Bible says, speaking of God, that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain for all these things are gone forever. You don't know what's real? Love is real. The love of God is real. The joy of the Lord is real. The peace of God is real. This world and the sorrows of this world are subject to change. They are temporal and they will not last. But the devil deceives us. Think about how many ungodly, unwise decisions you've made in the midst of pain because you felt like it would never end. Think about that. How many times in you, have you been in the midst of the storm and it seemed like there's never going to be an end to the storm and you start making decisions based on a storm that will never end instead of a God that never changes? Because that's the power of deception and that's one of the schemes of the enemy is to suck us into a reality that is really an illusion of reality and instead of the reality of Christ that we serve an unshakable God who does not change. Look what else Paul goes on to say. Colossians 2 verse 6. He says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. 
Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. And look at verse 8. And don't let anyone capture you, ensnare you, imprison you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Paul says, beware, guys, beware. Least you become ensnared by the philosophies and ideologies of this world. Because anything that draws you away from Christ, anything that says your value and your worth is rooted in anything other than Jesus is a deception and a lie that wants to imprison and ensnare your soul. And we live in a world that has created an illusion of value and worth and significance and importance and love that is not real. It is a lie. And I want you to think about just some of the ideologies and philosophies of our world. The fact that our world places value on people based on external circumstances. I mean, think about all the ideologies out there, all the philosophies of thinking, all, all the trains of thought that run through our world. I mean, it, it's crazy. About three and a half years ago, I, I started, I started uh, uh, trying to lose weight and get in shape, and my goal was I wanted to be healthy. And I wanted to be healthy. And I've lost 75 pounds, and I'm still continuing on that health journey. But you know what I found out in that process? I found out that in that process, uh, there are extremes to everything. And all of a sudden, you start trying to lose weight and get in shape, and you start going to the gym, and you start hanging out with people and talking to people to exercise. And all of a sudden, you realize that just being healthy ain't good enough. you got to look a certain way. You go to the gym long enough, you're going to feel the pressure. You're going to feel the prayer. It's not enough that you're just showing up getting healthy. No, you got to. And if y'all can tell, I hadn't. <laughs> Nothing buff about me, praise God. Thank, thank you, thank you, James. I love you, brother. I'll pay you later. And the world has this idea. The world has a philosophy that you got to look a certain way to be important, to be valuable, to be significant, to be relevant. And it's not just about how you look physically, it's how you look right, how do you dress, you got to wear the right kind of clothes, you got to live in the right neighborhood or live in the right kind of house, or you got to drive the right kind of car, and, and if you have all that stuff, well then you're important and you're valuable and you're significant, and, 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 and we celebrate you and we honor you because you're rich and you're powerful, and you got this and you got that, and you live in all, and all of a sudden here, these are all the philosophies of the world that place value and worth upon our life based upon external circumstances that are no longer connected to the reality of heaven or the reality of the kingdom of God or anything that's ever going to matter. Because it ain't going to matter. When you die and stand before God, He's not checking your wardrobe. He's not looking at what kind of car you drove or the size of house that you lived in. He is looking at your heart. And then we live in a culture today. We have an entire generation right now where social media has shaped the value and worth of an entire generation. We have social media suicides, guys. We have young people that take their life because they didn't get enough likes, shares, views, or follows. And if I don't have enough likes, shares, views, and follows, and if my social media platform isn't big enough, then I'm not important, and I'm not relevant, and I'm not significant, and I'm not valuable, and I'm not loved. And when you live from that place, guys, 
Whether you're 18 years old or 88 years old, when you allow the world to define your value and your worth based on external circumstances, you are imprisoned. You have been snared by the trap of the enemy. And you will live your life, hear me, you will live your life as a people pleaser. You will live your life trying to earn the applause, the approval, and the love of the people that are around you. And it's a vicious, vicious, vicious way to live life. It will leave you empty. It will leave you void. And finally, you'll wake up one day with no will to live because I just can't make everybody happy. I can't be what they want me to be, so I don't even know if it's worth living anymore. Nobody cares anyway. Those are hard realities that are happening every single day in our world, guys, because we're living in an illusion of reality that is temporal. Instead of living rooted in the reality that we are complete in Christ. Look at that next point on your outline. So we live unshakable lives when we live from a place of completion in Christ. Instead of living from a place of need. When we live from a place of completion instead of living from a place of need. Today what we're going to do, we're going to talk about what does it mean to be unshakable in the area of our relationships. Because if we're honest with each other this morning, we know without a shadow of a doubt this is true. Relationships have the potential to shake us to the core. More than anything else that happens in our world, relationships have the potential to shake us to the core. You can think right now about your greatest joys and your greatest sorrows, and they will always be connected to people relationships and so today we're going to recognize how that when I am rooted in the reality of Christ that I am complete in Christ and I'm going to begin to live out of my completion in Christ instead of out of my need to be loved and accepted by other people all of a sudden it creates an unshakable life where I begin to live a life for the glory of God instead of for the applause of people Let's talk about this today. Look at that next point. If we need others to love, accept, or approve of us in order to feel value and worth, we are always going to be changing to please people. Let me read it again. If we need others to love, accept, or approve of us in order to feel value and worth, we are always going to be changing to please people. Now, Let me just give you some truth today. The truth is, we all need love, acceptance, and approval from people. We all need that. And let me tell you why we need it. We need love, acceptance, and approval because we were created for family and we were created for community. In Genesis, you remember what God said about Adam? It is not good for man to be alone. We need love acceptance and approval from other people because we were created for family and we were created for community. But I want you to hear this. But our value, and that's a big but, B-U-T, our, our value, but our value does not come from people. 
It comes from God. My value and my worth is not rooted in the response of people. It is rooted in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And if I don't recognize that, then I'm going to live my life constantly changing and evolving in order to please the people that I am currently around because I need their love and their acceptance to validate me. I want you to hear what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. We've been blessed with everything that we need because we are united with Christ. Why? Because we're complete in Him. And even before, look at verse 4, even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us to be holy and in Christ without fault in God's eyes. Think about that. What does that mean? It simply means this. It means that before God made anything, God loved you. Before you succeeded or before you failed, God loved you. Before you ever accomplished a good thing or before you ever committed a bad thing, God loved you. God loved you and God chose you before the foundations of the world. You are loved. You are accepted. You are approved. God loved you and chose you. And there's nothing, we say this a lot, there's nothing you can do to earn the love of God. And there's nothing you can do to undo the love of God over your life. God loves you. And before the foundations of the world, he chose you. Think about that. He chose you. Not based on your performance, not based on your merit, not based on your potential to do anything great in this world. God loved you and God chose you before he even made the world. And I love the next verse, verse 5. And God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. God decided in advance to adopt us. You guys have heard me say this. There is, there is such a thing as an accidental pregnancy, but there's no such thing as accidental adoption. Adoptions never happen by accident. They are premeditated decisions birthed by love. And the Bible says that God decided in advance to adopt us, here it is, into his family. Think about how awesome that is. You know, there are a lot of people that I love to hang out with, but I would honestly say there's not a lot of people that I want to live with. I love y'all, but I don't know if I want everybody coming home today. Aren't you glad I'm not God? I am. Because you know what God did? God, in advance, loved you, chose you, and decided to adopt you and bring you into his house into his family to be his sons and his daughters because you are valuable and you are loved and you are worthy and you're significant and you are relevant because you have been chosen and loved by God. So beautiful. I want you to recognize something today. We have to realize that our desire to be loved and accepted by people is many times rooted in fear. 
We're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid of isolation. We're afraid of loneliness. We're afraid of being irrelevant or insignificant. We're afraid that if they don't love me and if they don't accept me and if they don't applaud me, then I'm probably not really important anyway. And what happens is, is out of fear, fear of rejection, fear of betrayal, fear of isolation, fear of insignificance, fear of loneliness, we become people pleasers. And we go from crowd to crowd. Have you ever met somebody that you never knew who they were really going to be because they, their, their personality changed based on the crowd they were with? And they're with the party crowd, and they're like, whoo, party, party. And they're with the church crowd, and they're like, praise you, Jesus. <laughs> and you don't know who they are, but guess what? They don't either. Because they're living out of a false reality that is not rooted in Christ Jesus. And if I'm afraid of being rejected, and if I'm afraid of being isolated, and if I'm afraid of being lonely, if I'm just afraid of whatever that thing is in my heart that's crying out in fear, all of a sudden I'll become a people pleaser, and I'll begin to try to earn your approval and your love. And then not only will I become a people pleaser, I will become manipulated by people. Because all of a sudden, now my joy, think about this, your emotional well-being is now dictated by the responses of other people. If they love you, you are excited. If they reject you, you're depressed and don't know if I can even get out of bed today. You're totally manipulated by the responses and reactions of other people. Your life is spinning, spinning, spinning out of control. I call it roller coaster Christianity, roller coaster living. Now, let me just be honest with you. Life has mountains and valleys. Your life does, without a doubt, look like a roller coaster, but your emotions and your spiritual life does not have to be. There are peaks and there are valleys. There are wonderful days and there are horrible days. But I don't have to live emotionally and, more importantly, spiritually based on the mountains and valleys or the responses of other people. Now, now here's something else I want you to see. When, when, when you live out of a fear-based reality that says, I need love, I need acceptance, I need approval in order to be valuable. When you live out of that need-based reality, not only are you a people pleaser, not only are you manipulated by people, but it even goes to another level. What happens ultimately is you then become a manipulator. And let me explain how that works. If you pretend to be something you're not in order to get somebody else to accept you, you just manipulated them. If you pretend to be something you're not in order to get somebody to love and accept you, you just manipulated them. You just deceived them. That's not who you are, but that's who you want them to think you are. So they'll love and accept you. And here again, recognize something. All of this is driven by fear. It's all driven by fear of being rejected, driven by fear of being alone, driven by fear of being insignificant. And all of a sudden, we are people pleasers that are being manipulated by people. And all of a sudden, we ultimately become manipulators who begin to work the crowd because we are living in fear, operating out of a void that says, I need your love and approval in order for me to be valuable and significant. And God wants to set us free.
I want you to look at two scriptures with me. John chapter 12. The Bible says many people did believe in him, speaking of Jesus, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. They believed in Jesus, but they wouldn't acknowledge Jesus because they were afraid they would be put out of the synagogue because they loved the praise of people more than the praise of God. And how many times have we seen that happen over and over again? Because of fear of being alone or rejected. Because we love the applause and praise of people more than we love giving praise and honor to God. We deny Christ. Maybe not deny that he is the son of God and the savior of the world. But we deny his lordship over our lives in circumstances and situations and in relationships. And we cross lines. Sexually, emotionally, intellectually, morally. Because if I don't do what they want me to do, they won't love me. They won't accept me. They won't embrace me. And let me just tell you something. Peer pressure is something we talk about a lot, I think, with young people. Uh, how many you know it doesn't end when you graduate high school? <laughs> it goes from having the right clothes. Now you've got to live in the right house. And you've got to have the right job. Proverbs, listen to this scripture. This ought to be one you memorize. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. I want you to hear me today. There is a place of stability and strength in Christ when you trust in the Lord. When your confidence in who you are is rooted in Him. I am loved. I am accepted. I am significant. I am relevant. I do have a voice and I do have value because God loves me. And I'm accepted in him, and I'm loved by him, and I'm embraced by him, and I am a somebody because God says I'm a somebody. And I don't need your love and approval to be valuable, and therefore I can be free from fear. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 that perfect love casts out fear because where there is fear, there is torment. The fear of man brings a snare when I'm afraid of what you're going to think or I'm afraid of how you're going to react or I'm afraid of what you're going to do. What happens is, is you go to bed drained, emotionally drained because of all the people you had to deal with today. And you get up the next morning dreading the day because of all the people you got to deal with today. People are not a problem when you don't need their love and acceptance to be valuable and worth. Now, people can create problems. <laughs> and sometimes we dread the problems that people create. And that's a reality. But when I am living to please people, I will be emotionally and mentally and spiritually exhausted. And I will live in dread because I don't know if I can do it one more day to be what everybody else thinks I should be in order to be loved and significant. So here's the remedy. Look at this. Last point on your outline. When we live... 
from the love, acceptance, and approval of God. We can treat people the way we want to be treated. Living from love, not living to be loved. Big difference right there. Living from love, not living to be loved. is huge. When I live from love instead of living to be loved, guess what happens? It frees me from the manipulation of people. It frees me from being a manipulator of people. And it allows us to live an unshakable life. Matthew 7, verse 12, Jesus said it's the golden rule, right? Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Jesus said if you want to fulfill everything that I've wrote in my Bible, this is how you do it. Just treat others the way you want to be treated. Do to others the way you want them to do to you. And this is what I've recognized. I've never met a person that did not want to be loved and respected. Never met one. And so the Bible says... That when I begin to live from love instead of living from a need to be loved, now I can treat people the way I want to be treated. And here's what's amazing about it. An unshakable life is when other people's responses and reactions do not control yours. When other people's responses and reactions do not control your response and your reaction, you're free. <laughs> you're free. You're free from the fear of man. And you're able, hear me, that doesn't mean you're able to be mean and ugly to people. No, now it means you're able to treat people the way you want to be treated. How is that? Well, with love and with respect and with kindness and with goodness and with compassion because that's how I want people to treat me. When I fall down, I don't want people to make fun of me and mock me. I want people to help me up. When I succeed, I don't want people to grumble about me behind my back and say, well, you know, he had some connections and he probably didn't get there on his own and somebody else helped him, you know. When I succeed, I want somebody to celebrate me and applaud me, right? And when I'm hurting, I want somebody to comfort me. And when I'm deceived, I really want somebody to speak truth to me. And all of a sudden, there's a freedom here. There's a freedom because it doesn't matter who you meet and it doesn't matter how they treat you because now your response is always the same. I'm going to treat others the way I want to be treated. Why? Because I don't need their love, acceptance, or approval to be validated. I am loved, I am accepted, and I am significant because of who I am in Christ. I am complete in Christ, lacking nothing. And I'm just going to tell you, it is so liberating and it is so freeing when you begin to walk in that. Now, let, let me just be really, really gut-level honest with you. Um, Many times, our first response to a negative reaction is flesh. Let's just be honest. Can y'all be honest with me today? Let me just say, let me just, my first response to a negative reaction usually is flesh. Somebody's hateful, ugly, spiteful, mean, lying, critical. I mean, my flesh rises up almost immediately. But here's the good news. You don't have to live there. And even though your flesh says curse, your spirit says, I'm going to bless. And I'm going to love. And I'm going to serve. And I'm going to help. Because that's how I want people to treat me. Hey, when you're wrong, do you really want people to hold it over your head for the next six months and remind you every time they see you how wrong you really were? Or do you really want them to forgive you? Like on the first day. Yeah, that's how I want it. 
That'll never happen if you live out of a place of need that says, I need love to be accepted. I need love to be validated. I need love to be important. I need applause to be valued. But when you start living out of love, let me close with this scripture. Jesus said it best in Matthew 5, as he always does. Listen to what he said. He says, you've heard it said, you've heard the law that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And in that way, you'll be acting like true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight both to the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. And if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for you? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. And if you were a Jew, the tax collector was the worst kind of Jew. Because he was a traitor on his own country. And Jesus said, do you guys realize that even the worst of the worst love the people that love them? And then he goes on the next verse, look what he says. And if you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Don't even the pagans. So now he goes outside the Jews and he says, you know all them heathen people out there that don't even acknowledge God? Even they are kind to people that are kind to them. And then he makes this statement, verse 48. He says, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now let me give you some good news. The word perfect here does not mean without sin. It means to be mature in Christ. So what's interesting is God measures maturity not by what we quote believe but by how we treat our enemies. And the only way you can treat others the way you want to be treated is you got to start living out of the completeness of Christ. You got to live from love not live to be loved. So I want us just to bow our heads today. If you're watching online, I just want you to close your eyes right where you're at just to remove all the distractions around you. I want to ask you an important question today. Have you ever experienced that kind of love? Have you ever experienced the perfect love of God that casts out fear, that frees your heart to love God and love people unconditionally? So you can't give what you don't have. And what you have in Christ is the love of God has been poured out into your hearts by the Holy Spirit. But if you're here today or you're watching online and you've never received that love, you've never been born again, then today is the day of salvation. So if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, I want to experience that love. I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life because that's how you experience the love of God. You can't embrace the love of God without embracing the Lordship of Jesus Christ because it's through His Lordship that His love is made real in your life. Jesus, be Lord of my life and fill me with your love. If that's you and you want to pray that prayer with me this morning, you want to be born again, that's what Jesus called it, then I want you just to raise your hand. Just a simple act of faith. Today, I want to receive the love of God and I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. If you're watching online right now, just, just hit a little hand emoji or just say, I'm raising my hand. Let us know that you're praying with us. We want to help you. We want to follow up with you. So let's just pray this prayer out loud together today. Everybody with me. Everybody here, let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose again on the third day. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior and fill me with your love. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. If you pray that prayer with us online, please let us know. We want to follow up with you, and we love you guys. Two things I want to remind you of. Number one, grow track online in person. If you've not done an encounter retreat, sign up today. Small group information in the cafe. Go get a cookie today to celebrate our breaking of the fast. And uh, go back there and get some information about our small groups. They're going to be launching the 1st of February. We love you guys. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord. Amen. You are dismissed. May I have your attention, please? We kill